From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. You're among the 200 to 250 a day that listen wow, to the broadcast nice. around the world. It Great to have exciting. you uh, with us. Pastor Mike Douglas here, along with our uh, producer and co-host, Elaine Harlan, and uh, our uh, special guest. And uh, I love these times when the Me doctor too. is in. Yeah. Dr. Jim Henman with us. Welcome. Going to get to Jim in just a moment. Sure. want to thank... The good folks at Calvary Lutheran Church had an opportunity yesterday to share the AVC, the Advancing Vibrant Communities story with them, and also open up Romans 12 and talk about what it means to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And just uh, one of the things, Jim, that, that I, I just love about doing what we do is we get to go to different kinds of churches yeah. with different traditions and experience it, you know, from the African-American tradition to, you know, Lutheran to Baptist, to uh, we've done uh, you know, Latino uh, churches, and it's just fun mm-hmm. uh, to experience the different worship styles, and, and I, I, I just am so happy my, my children have had the opportunity over the years to experience those different traditions. You know, Mike, I think that something so important brings me to mind the scripture, the body is made up of many parts. Yes. The hand is not a foot, is not, a, mm-hmm. not an elbow all work together for good and how often instead of the excitement that you're describing at the diversity of ways of worship, the ways of coming together in, in, in corporate um, fellowship, how those differences to you and Elaine are exciting. Yes. Okay. To me, I'm excited. Number one, but I'm also excited that you're excited. (laughs) No, 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 seriously. It's, that's that, one of those Henman yeah. things. That's it's a secondary second order feeling. Feeling, right? I like yeah. it. Be- because it means <laughs> that the spirit is in you. Because the spirit loves the diversity. Yes. It's only man that can't tolerate the diversity. The knowledge of good and evil with that flashlight says there is a right way to do it. And depending on which one it is, that's the right one and everyone else is the wrong one. And your your enthusiasm and your excitement and what you were sharing captures God's spirit for religion. 
Yes. And thank yeah, you for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. and, and thank that, you that is that. so appropriate. And, and it is. It really strikes you how the body does have many different kinds of parts, and mm-hmm. we're not all expected to function in the same way. That's the way uh, Christ, you know, had it, is that we're all, we all have different DNA mm-hmm. within the body, and, and uh, God uses each of our giftings in a, in a different way. And speaking of giftings, uh, notice just came out, and I saw it in the newspaper, and, and, and now we received a hard copy on it. One of our treasured volunteers, Bonnie House. Bonnie House, who's now she, having surgery. She is just a saint. Well. Yes, she mm-hmm. is. Isn't she? And and Bonnie mm-hmm. has had a lot of health problems. She and, has. And, uh, but it doesn't stop her. It doesn't Nothing stop her. Stops her. And she is being honored by the uh, RSVP program of Stanislaus County through the Doctors Medical Center mm-hmm. Foundation uh for and and we have a partnership with them and through that partnership she has provided seniors uh, 4,099 miles of travel. That's a lot of driving. Over the past year. A lot year. of driving. Almost Do you know what she drives, Jim? Check no. this out. Tell, tell oh, me what she drives. You got, it, it's a hot red sports car. I mean, it's a... <laughs> and I told she her... She gets in there and cranks up the tunes, and I love, I love what she drives. I said, Bonnie, Bonnie, I'm an ex-cop. It's like you're saying, ticket me, ticket yeah, me. And she yeah. just smiles at me. And, Catch me and, if you can. Uh, she... she, uh, she uh, she drives she it like a sports she, car. She, she really does. I mean, this is not the little old lady from Pasadena here. She's she not. Is. However, she does drive in that area. She drives people to doctors, medical appointments, kidney dialysis treatments. She truly drives with purpose. Yeah, See, she, that's putting absolutely. skin on Jesus. That's what I like that you guys Isn't do yeah. and what you invite churches and members of churches to do is to put skin on Jesus in tangible ways. Amen. That allow relationship to, to 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 form, and and that's the key mm-hmm. is is taking the time with intentionality to develop those relationships yes. as opposed to purposeful checking this off as oh, I did my service for the year. Mm-hmm. You know that that's not what we're called. She to do. she just does it year. She is around. a beautiful saint, and, and putting skin on Jesus, dear friends, is what our doctor friend and author and coach does, and we are so proud and so honored to have Jim Hinman back with us, psychologist, coach, author, and friend. The doctor is in tonight with us, and we're so glad to have you here. You Can you imagine if, if, if there was two of me? Uh, well, I don't know how. You know, we, when you were wow. talking earlier about how we each need to be separate, I'm glad there aren't. I don't know if the world could handle two of me, but I. But That's the an interesting. World gives grace to the one of me. That's it. Well, you know, you were talking about the body being connected and uh-huh, part. Uh-huh. that reminded me of that old song. You guys remember the the what bone is connected oh, the hip to the bone hip to and the, the yeah, yeah, elbow yeah, I love that. and all. Yeah, anyway, sure. I'm just a little silly tonight. Forgive me. Well, that's that's okay. We we can do that here on Lighthouse Live. That's right. Um, you know, in thinking of Bonnie, uh, Jim, and again, you know. It, you look at so many other people, if and many of them, if they had the same issues that Bonnie has to deal with, a lot of people would just fold up and mm-hmm. quit, mm-hmm. you know. And she doesn't, you know. It's just mm-hmm. an incredible spirit. And um, can I say something think, in yeah. kind of a weird way? And 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 if you can translate this to it, comes out in a positive way. Sure. In a way, she's too dumb to realize she has nothing to give because she has all these difficulties. That's right. Instead, she has God's wisdom. Yes. Amen. (laughs) Instead, I am not my story. 
and my story affects where I'm starting today. I'm not my illnesses. My illnesses affect how I'm feeling. The adversity in my life affects how I'm feeling, but it doesn't define who I am or what I can offer to others. And not meaning any way that she's dumb, but but by by the world's view, that's right. She is wonderfully dumb, and I hope she stays that way, just like I plan on staying wonderfully dumb. Well, and, and who is <laughs> that you. world-famous <laughs> author that is going to pen a book called Being a Fool for God? You I know, mean, doesn't that I kind of that. fit right? I'm waiting for God to finish <laughs> writing it. <laughs> who started that book, and someday you know, he will yes, finish Lord. it. <laughs> I only started in 05. Come on. <laughs> Well, it's hard to, to, to beat the first one. Who's really driving your bus? Mm-hmm. Wait, but I, in thinking about Bonnie, Jim, uh, what, what popped into my mind as I was thinking, and I, I do think occasionally, you know, just kind I'm of not a recreational touch that thing. One. I'm not you know, I, that just one. to stretch That's myself. That's too inviting, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need to go down there. I came back to uh, Galatians 6. As Paul is writing to the churches in Galatia, and, and, and you know, there's a lot of conflict mm-hmm. there that, mm-hmm. that's surrounded, and we won't go to that right now. But he said, and I want to read from Eugene Peterson's um, paraphrase here in the first uh, couple of verses. He says, Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed, share their burdens, and so complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Be very sure now, you who have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity, that you enter into a generous common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things that you have and experience. And then uh, he rounds this out. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. When a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignore the needs of others, ignoring God, uh, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds, but the one who plants in response to God, letting God's Spirit do the growth work to him, in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. Now, here we go. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Wow. You know, Paul, and right, I think it was right before that. You know, I can't quote psychology or scripture for address, but just my message, <laughs> where he says, let me tell you, as Paul can only say, let me tell you again, do not go for circumcision because it throws Christ's gift in his face. Yeah. It follows up with this. Do not be fatigued. To me, has a, it gave chills as you were saying mm. that, because to me, the fatigue comes when we think we are the ones doing it instead of allowing him through us to draw his nature in us into the action. It actually energizes in his plan. It doesn't drain in his plan. 
But his plan isn't for us to do it by our own sweat, but rather by our own willingness to let him live through us. Mm-hmm. And that's the inoculation to fatigue. At what point, Jim, does that happen? Or what point do we realize? Where's the line drawn there? I don't have a clue. I know for me, over the years, it's become more and more true, and more and more true at a deeper and deeper level. One thing we've talked about often, because we'll often go over similar subjects when we get together, Mm -hmm. because they're core subjects, Mm -hmm. but we tend to unpack them. I love that Mike's phrase, unpack this. Mm -hmm. We do it at a deeper and deeper level. So to the casual observer, it may seem like the same conversation, but in truth, as I've listened back to them, it's like each one at a little different level, deeper level, different facet is saying the same truth in a slightly different way or at a different level. We never fatigue of hearing it because it's never the same Mm -hmm. and it's always consistent, which sounds contradictory, but it's not. Thinking that our response to what what Paul wrote here, I think you can look at that from several perspectives. One being just the believer who is called to be a minister in his or her marketplace, to be an ambassador for Christ, and not weary Mm -hmm. of of doing, don't get fatigued of of doing good. And, And then we look at what we have created in terms of our clergy class, Mm-hmm. In in the American version of, of church, fourteen still the statistic is fourteen to fifteen hundred pastors every month fall out of the ministry. You know, for one, for one reason or the other, the enemy just has a field day with this, and and this fatigue can can be created from a variety of different things. And I, as you were talking about that, Jim, I I, I truly believe that that we often create a lot of that. I think we call it burnout, don't we, Mike? Well, and the burnout comes from the mistaken sense of identity. Who do I believe myself to be? Hmm. Like we've talked before, and to me, this is such a pressing issue for me. How high a portion of Christians, either in recovery process or just in sanctification process, which is those that don't need recovery, Excuse which is me. somebody who's been dead for over a certain period of time. Anyone alive needs recovery. But the, but the fact is that I just went blank. I, I just, I, it, it, my, Going back to the core, I think. And, and one of those and core it, issues, that, that you, and you used the word judgmental just a second ago, you always talk about a growing commitment to being non-judgmental, open, and accurate. And accurate. The very first fundamental. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and I think oftentimes, Elaine, we think of that in terms of judging others. Mm-hmm. But, Jim, and we're talking about mm-hmm. Galatians we're 6, about 1. Too. Aren't we talking about ourselves? Yeah. And probably one of the, the most heinous things we can do is be overly ju- judgmental about who we are, how, how we're doing, and, and apply that performance thing to ourselves. Isn't it, Paul, that said, I don't want to see myself self-worthy of judging myself. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, if Paul doesn't feel worthy to judge himself, who are we to feel worthy to judge ourselves? And it has to do with old nature. It did come back. Yes, yes, yes. Luckily, it's, it, the room is, is small enough that we can 
have it bounce on the walls and come You've back. You've got that spirit reminding that, <laughs> you. He's so in you. The, so many people do their Christianity, do their recovery in their old nature. Mm. So that by definition, old nature, what lets you know that is that the focus is on performance and on the rules, formula, rules. Being perfect. Being perfect, being good enough to make God proud, being good enough to make him have to love us, that we need to earn our free gift. And when old nature is doing it, you will have burnout because old nature is doing it on its own steam. And that's not God's plan. So we're not doing his plan Mm. in the how. We're doing his plan in the what. Go out and minister, go out and do good, go out and and, and touch lives. That's his what that God wants us to do. The how is for us to let him through us do that touching. That energizes us. It doesn't drain us. So that's where that line that I'm talking about that's is the line. crossed is when we step over that line and stop allowing him exactly. to fill us and uh, forget those things. Yeah. You know, I, I think an element of that, too, may be I, I think we're prone in, in our culture to ask God to bless our plan. Mm-hmm. And that creates a tremendous amount of stress because what we're not doing, we, we are not seeking what God's plan is. So because we speak. know better, right? <laughs> well, no, I don't know. So, it, it, but we, we feel insecure. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in, in our Americanized version of all that, we feel insecure if we're not in control of ah. the plan, and it has milestones, it has goals That's and true. objectives, you know, it has bullet measurable points. Reserve, bullet mm-hmm. points, mm-hmm. and so often we, so we develop these plans to say, okay, God, bless my plan. Because we got it in those committees we've been at, As, those uh, meetings uh, we've been absolutely. in. Absolutely, God, yeah. and uh, instead of the other way around, uh, I'm, do, mm-hmm. do you find that in, in Oh, in absolutely. I find it in people's lives, I find it in the professions, Um. It, it is so sad how we, it, let's talk about Christians here. You know, today we all are, all three of us that are here right now are Christians. And hopefully those that are listening are either Christians or at least open to considering what God's plan is about, which is to me just as important. Mm, absolutely. Okay. The fact is we're not in control. If you're truly a Christian, I mean, as God would intend his kids to be, God's in control. We're not God. Therefore, we're not in control. But that doesn't mean we're out of control. The black and white filter from chapter two in the bus book, black and white filter, either I'm in control or I'm out of control. If I'm out of control, that's a bad thing. And I've got to get in control. But as a Christian, the moment we're in control, we're putting God in the passenger seat Mm. and we're the driver. That's not a real good choice. Mm -mm. And it's not his plan. Jim, uh, one of your second points here that you often bring up is, is a growing commitment to believing that we are all fallible human beings. I think so many times in our, our churchiness, we're, we're asking our pastors to be perfect. We're ask, asking ourselves mm-hmm. to be. We, we, we establish a, a metric for us that God mm-hmm. doesn't have for us. 
And and you right. you have made uh, and I, I always admit you have made an interesting observation about that that it is almost arrogance on our part. Scott's almost. It, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, if I'm gonna get in trouble, let me be in trouble for the Leave truth. Leave that at the door. Yeah. It, it is arrogance. Yeah. It, it, that God knows that we only really are who we are when He's living in us, through us, and for us. We're not in control. We are not, but I think we we often in in our our churchiness establish a performance standard. Right. Right. We want to measure something. We want to be able to make sure that I'm actually, this isn't true, but I'm better than Elaine. Mm -hmm. I'm more godly than Mike. Because we want to know where we stand. That's our old nature that wants that. That's the knowledge of good and evil, the flashlight, the knowledge of good and evil in action is wanting to make sure that we do at least as good as the next person, if not better. Remember Animal Farm? All animals are equal. Some are more equal than others. Yes. The pigs kept becoming more and more equal, and everybody else became more and more unequal. And unfortunately, that can happen to Christians as well. It's not God's intent to do that. And I think, Jim, that forces us in, 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 uh, in churches, Elaine, and I think we've, we've seen this mentality many times. A church starts, the goal is to be saddleback. Or, or mm-hmm. the goal is mm-hmm. to be Brooklyn Tab, you know, mm-hmm. and and oh, great churches. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. please, please don't mm-hmm. misunderstand me there. But I think we set ourselves up for an expectation God doesn't have. One of the most beautiful churches in town is is pastored by our friend Ross. It is a very, very small congregation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could you could fit uh, bigger Sundays school classes in some mega churches, uh, you know, in, in the, and this church would barely uh, scratch the surface of that. But God uses that tiny little congregation mm-hmm. in powerful ways in this community that very, people very have no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the salt and light that happens from that. And and so I, I think probably sometimes we, we reflect the attitude of our, of our church growth systems where, man, unless you've got the mega church, you haven't made it yet, and, and uh, there must, must be something wrong. And you need to bring a certain number of people into the congregation and, and all the different elements of, of performance force us into old nature, force us into wearing masks to hide anything that might not shine through as a successful poster child for God. Mm. You know, you were good. Yeah, I was just going to say, Jim, you were talking about the Apostle Paul. He took the mask off. He mm. he was transparent. He was open. Mm-hmm. He was accurate. He told it like it was. And he had the snot beat out of him. Yeah, he did. Many, several, many times. Several times he did. You yeah. bet he did. But he was open. He was transparent. He, you know, he he when he spoke of himself, his past. He was not his story. Thank God he wasn't yeah. his past. Oh, boy. Mm. That's true. Yeah. You know, that, that brings up something, Jim. Let, let's attack this a little bit. What is success? You know, to what? Power in, in of definition. Life, That's such a powerful one. In life, in church, uh, in, in ministry, mm-hmm. what is success? I, I firmly believe that we've kind of tainted God's metrics in that department. Absolutely. I, I think that's an understatement, not just in the church, but in, again, the profession of psychology, government, 
you name the institution, we have missed God's definition. Mm. Success, in my mind, I feel I'm successful. Mm. I don't mean that with arrogance at all. Sure. But do you tell you my definition of success? I get all day long, I get to let God love people through me. Mm. Wow. As a client is sitting there, the only thing I'm conscious of is, Lord, tell them whatever you need to share with them. Give them whatever words they need. I love to hear it. I'm going to eavesdrop. I'll try to stay out of the way. Let's have a good time. Yes. Yeah. And that, to me, is successful. It's, it's whether anyone else thinks I am or not. It doesn't matter. If I'm letting him live through me and I'm truly letting myself imperfectly be his ambassador which doesn't mean that there aren't areas of my life that may be less than I would like and and less than he would want for me because he loves me perfectly. Yes. But he will use me for good, bless me in that process. I just need to realize that's a success. As we do it imperfectly. 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 This, This performance issue performance mentality mm-hmm. that you, you talk about, Jim. How, how do you see that manifested in terms of, of the, the angst and, and, and the, um, the worries and, and uh, the agony that we're going through in our society today? How, how does that all play in? I do believe in end times. Okay, now that may be, as a psychologist, that may be terrible thing to say. I don't know. Psychology is what I do. It's not who I am. Mm. Mm. Who I am is becoming in him. That's who I am. Okay. And, um, as the bubble began to burst and and it's, I'm in private practice and I'd gotten to a point in my life where I was predominantly private pay, which is kind of the ideal quote, successful place to be. And I'd spent years and years and years getting to that place only to have the bubble burst. Mm-hmm. And suddenly uh, there was a lot of lean moments and, and difficult times. You know, it, it, it just were. But, you know, as I was watching it all unfold, I was reminded I'm not only not my story, but I'm not the car I drive I'm not the house I live in or the apartment I live in that the good thing that can and hopefully will come out of the bubble burst and particularly in the horribly um, malignant way that it manifested where, you know, it seemed like every attempt at helping was was being manipulated and, and turned into greed, you know, by by whether it be the banks or, or, or the whoever, to where you feel like an idiot if you keep your house if it's upside down. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's really hard to be in a position that doing the right thing makes you feel like an idiot. Mm. And yet this whole bubble bursting has largely done that. People that had their faith in the job because the company had been there forever or in their status... And I'm talking, you know, professional. We don't think of professionals as being hit. But, you know, when they have huge overhead 
and their income coming in drops by 50% and their overhead stays the same, they can be drowning and have fancy houses and fancy cars and still be drowning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's the disillusionment that I should be a success or I'm nothing. And hopefully this bubble burst can help our priority of success be defined differently. He's taken it out of our hands. It's bigger than we are. It forces us into dealing with who we are, our identity, with, doesn't that's it? That's right. And uh, if we're I, lucky, if we're lucky, if we're lucky, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of you know do a lot of funerals every year, and uh, so many of them uh, that I do, they've they've grown up on the cusp of the Great Depression, right? You know, uh, <clears throat> quite a few lately were born in the in the teens, the 19 teens, you know, the 17s, 18s, mm-hmm, 19s. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were, uh, you know, just uh, very young people during the Great Depression or, or those who were born in, in the midst of it. And there, there's an interesting spirit that I notice about them, because as you look at what they did to make ends meet, it wasn't a, um, you know, a hundred mile an hour headlong throwing themselves blindly into something and, and, and knowing that they were going to crash and burn. <clears throat> they, they just looked at obstacles as opportunities to be overcome. Right. And they did whatever they needed to do. You know, this lady, she would go down to the soap factory and she would gather up the leftover flakes of soap and, and then mold them together and, and sell them. You know, <clears throat> I, I think we've lost that in our culture. We, we've lost that... Uh, entrepreneurial we lost it identity in, the, in with the affluence that came out of the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, although there were recessions, but right, right. not one of those had the kind of universal impact mm. of what we're going through right now. Let's talk about expectations. Okay, Let's talk about expectations because I think that that maybe comes down mm-hmm. to the root of it. Expectations for ourselves, trying to meet the expectations of others, throws us headlong into a depressed state, doesn't it? Well, and when you realize that depression is actually the blocking of feelings. Mm. Now, we used to think back in the day, you know, a depression is is anger turned inward or anger that's being blocked, but it's not just anger. It can be any emotion. When we push down an emotion, think of it like a melon scoop with a, I won't use cantaloupe because whatever that disease that's been going around now, but <laughs> watermelon, <laughs> we'll use it with a watermelon scoop here, you know, Honeydew. and the little okay. divots that, that are dug out, there's a hole that remains where that melon scoop has scooped out. Mm-hmm. When we scoop out our feelings, put them in the Tupperware, block them, put a lid on it, the vacuum that's left is the depression. Mm. You know, we've talked about this before, that depression. I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly where I wanted to go. We've talked about, is it wrong to be depressed? And what what do you say to that, Tim? I guess that would be like saying, is it wrong to breathe when you have asthma? Mm. Uh, Breathing with asthma, I, I, I do have it, not a bad case, Breathing can be problematic. But you uh, have to breathe. But you have to breathe. Right. Depression isn't bad or good because second-order feeling. If I'm feeling depressed, 
the best way to make myself more depressed, just in case anyone in the audience wants to become more depressed, let me tell you how to do it, because there is a way to make yourself more depressed, and that is hate yourself for being depressed. Mm-hmm. Blame yourself for being depressed. Feel like you somehow let God down through your depression. This will make the depression worse, and that's not God's plan. His plan is not, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. His plan is keep your eyes on me. Let me love you perfectly right where you're starting. Mm-hmm. And let's us move forward in this fallen world together. And that will help any depression. Right. right. I like that. I can live with that. Yeah. Oh, on that note, I'll tell you what. Are you ready for some fun? Mm-hmm. We're going to have some fun. We thought we'd have some fun with our music tonight. Oh, cool. It's hot on the Christian charts. Young Jamie Grace's song. It's called Hold Me. You like that? Oh, I love I it. Do. I love it, too. Yeah, I'm a hugger. You know that. Yeah, I do, and you know I am, too. <laughs> and it's doing very well, and she's not alone. Featured guest uh, on her song is Toby Mack, and we have it for you right here on Lighthouse Live, and we'll be back right after this. I love, I love, I love, I love the way you Tell you in a short story up But all I have is my voice and this guitar And you have my heart Oh, I love the way you hold me by my side You'll always be, you take each and every day Make you special in some way I love the way you hold me And your arms will always be, you take each and every day Every day, I love the way you hold me by my side Oh, so 
Jamie Grace, along with Toby Mack there on Lighthouse Live. Don't you just love that? (laughs) So alive. (laughs) All right. We thought you'd have fun with that. You know what I love about that is is the uh, um, genuine, the authenticity, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the raw authenticity of that, you know, just telling God, I love the way you hold me, God. And and, uh, uh, I'm just thinking as as we were coming up to to that song, uh, Jim, thinking about grace and how that enters into our our conversation here you know that that unmerited favor and not having to earn it i don't think there's is there any other uh religion in the world that operates on grace i think mostly it's you have to earn i don't believe there is any other organized faith in which grace unearned unmerited gift up front, front loaded, as there is in relational Christianity. Now, what didn't I say? Relational Christianity is unfortunately mm. when it goes from the relationship with God to the organized religion worshiping God, grace can easily get lost in the shuffle if we're not careful. I think Constantine kind of messed that up, didn't he, he? You know, actually, he did because he made it mandatory. Rules and regulations. Rules and yeah. regulations. Yeah. Before that, it was an alive adversity that was keeping it growing. The adversity of being killed if you admit that you're a Christian means your faith is really serious. Yes. As, as it, behind the Iron Curtain, well, shows my age, but I mean, you know. Well, there are places to, well, in, in China. Still, oh, yeah, sure. Places in China. Where you're punished well. yeah. for having uh, that faith. Sure. Those people that are in the circumstance like that, their faith has such a deeper, profound impact. Whereas if, you know, the worst that happens is somebody says, well, you know, I don't want to see you, Dr. Henman, because I understand you're a Christian and, and I don't want to see a Christian. Well, that's not the same as having my children taken from me and put into some army of of thugs uh, by by whatever institution is is in the government. It's funny, it just occurred to me. We had a conversation uh, about two Sundays ago, Lane. I don't think you were there for that, but. Uh, a friend of ours, uh, Pastor Randy Strode, uh, also had been, uh, he and his wife had, have been missionaries in China and Hong mm-hmm. Kong. And uh, we had the privilege of going and, and, and serving with them for a, a couple of days, a couple of years ago. Anyway, he's now stateside, and, and we were talking about 
um, how alive the church is when it's being persecuted. And I can't remember the name of the book, but he was citing uh, a book, and I believe it was a, a Chinese uh, believer and possibly a pastor. I'm not sure. I don't remember correctly. But uh, anyway, the, the, the man um, was saying to people, don't pray that our persecution will end because then our fervor our fervor to follow Christ in a very raw way will be compromised. Mm-hmm. Pray that we'll be energized during the persecution right? and that the church will grow. And isn't that an interesting is, yeah. perspective? You know, I flashed is in, in, in Revelations where the, the tepid, lukewarm, yes. and he says, I spit, spit you out. out. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. When I hear mm-hmm. the idea of God spitting me out, because I am so lukewarm, brings tears to my eyes, mm. even as I'm saying those words right now. Mm. That, that, you know, you, you read Scripture, that particular passage strikes fear in my heart. Mm. You know, uh, because I, I, I look at, you know, my life, I look at, at uh, churches I've been involved with, and, and I think, man, you know, it's, it's kind of like be, being part of that body of Pharisees when, when Jesus stepped in front of them and, and, and told the, the people, you know, pay attention to them. They're right. They occupy Moses' seat, but don't be like them because right. they don't practice what they teach. Really hear that contradiction, what, what would seem like a contradiction by worldly <clears throat> standards. Still honor them for the chair they represent. Yes. Political. But, Political, yes. but don't be like them. Mm-hmm. In the same way, he said, if you are a slave, be a slave as to God. If you're a owner, be an owner as to God. It's how we do what we do. Do your work as unto. Yeah, yeah. exactly. In these economic times, Jim, when, when, when the reality of, of lack of finances hit, I mean, we're in a, and here in the Central Valley. It's the worst. It is the it's worst. It's the epicenter. It, it is the epicenter. And uh, listen to a, a friend of mine, Bill Bassett, the other day from, from the Workforce Alliance speaking, and he said, it is going to be five to seven years if we crawl out of this. It'll be five to seven years before we in the Central Valley Uh, Get the full benefit of coming back around. Absolutely. Whatever recovery is in that sense. You notice in in the notion of coming back around, what we typically think of is the heyday when the Mm. balloon was popped way above Mm. reality. Mm -hmm. And everyone is is buying houses and turning houses and and, 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 and making all this stuff, Mm. thinking it's never going to end. But it was largely paper money it was a fantasy world world. in in many ways and so maybe you know in the same uh uh, spirit of that chinese pastor that we ought to say bring it on god you know let us go through it so that we can uh, be real (laughs) well and the thing to keep in mind and what i wrestle with so often with clients is they confuse frequently the difference between adversity that we go through, God wants us to get all the nuggets we can from it. He wants us to gain all we can mm. from that adversity. Mm. That's not the same as God causing the adversity. 
And if you think of it this way, if it's God causing the adversity, how can we turn to him for comfort? On the other hand, if he is with us in that adversity, loves us the same as we're in that adversity, and through us helps us deal with that adversity, that's his plan. Do you see the difference? I do. I do. And so often people think that, well, you know, it's like with uh, Job. Job, what did you do to upset God? Just, you know, go ahead and curse God and be done with it. That's still to this day often the attitude and often toward people who are depressed and, 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 and self-loathing. They bring that attitude toward themselves. What have I done to deserve this, God? Mm-hmm. And they'll either find it, artificially create it, or misunderstand God in the process. You know, you're probably seeing a lot of that coming through the doors of your yeah. office. Yeah. We're seeing it coming mm-hmm. through the, oh, sure. the doors mm-hmm. of ABC and on the phones here and, and that, and a lot of entitlement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what's so sad? I know we've talked about this before, but again, it's certain truths just need to be repeated over and over. Entitlement is a nugget God gave me. Entitlement prevents satisfaction and pleasure. Unpack that mm. a little bit. It's mm. profoundly important. Mm. If I'm entitled to something, then it's really difficult for me to really enjoy that something that I have because I'm entitled to it. Mm. It's my right to have it. And what rights do we have, Jim? The right to serve a loving Papa, Mm. God, Mm. to have an amazing big brother Jesus that wants to live our lives with us, hand on our shoulder, a Holy Spirit that draws us into God's nature and style. We have a right to that because God's given every living human being that right. And I think that... But not as an entitlement, but as a gift. The right to be called children of God. The right to be called children of God. Well put, yeah. And and I think, I'm trying to think through. uh, See, if I I would ask Mike that question, he'd say, you have the right to remain silent. (laughs) (laughs) And it will be held against you. (laughs) No doubt. You know, thinking of of adversity, uh, our our friend Ross Bryles often talks about, um, he says, have you ever watched a jeweler um, take a, a, a rough diamond in the rough, so to speak, a precious stone. How, how do they, how, how do they polish that? Well, it, it requires abrasion. It requires something to rub up against it. That's going to be abrasive. And without that, the stone doesn't get polished. The, 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 it doesn't, doesn't. the, the impurities are still on the outside without adver And I'm not advocating for adversity. I mean, we got plenty of it, Elaine, that we're going through here. It would be arrogant to think that we have to create adversity mm. when in a fallen world, God's already told us there will be more than enough Mm. to go around. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so the the challenge really is, and and that's a shift in our mindset, I think, Jim. Mm -hmm. Away from, we should be living in a world with no adversity, to 
thank goodness I'm living in a world where I have the resources to meet that adversary. I have the grace mm-hmm. of God. I have the love of Jesus. I, mm-hmm. My identity is not wrapped up in my situation, in the conflict. My identity is in Christ, right. and I'm going through Safely this. in Christ. And cannot be snatched away. Cannot be snatched away. Yeah, amen. You know, I just had a session earlier today in which, through tears, this mom of a young child was saying it shouldn't be this difficult Mm. that expectation that it shouldn't be difficult has a profound effect on everything that follows that assumption when you realize that God says it is going to be difficult life is hard and then you die Yes. and in the interim period we have an adventure with him that gives meaning not only those short years, you know, 70 plus minus whatever, but for all eternity, that relationship with him. That's what matters. Jim, what do you see in people as that light begins to dawn? And I imagine that's not a light switch. No, it's, right? it's but... a process. It's, a, it, it's not a banana. It's an onion. Like we talk about, you know. Not just peel it and it's there. It's layer by layer of smelly, mm. um, tearful mm. realization. Oftentimes, where do you where do you start with folks that are just beset by their circumstance? They don't feel there's any hope. How how, how do you pry that lid open a little bit to let, to let the light in. Where, I mean, what where, where are some of the ways that you begin to introduce the, the Christ's, the way Christ, the way Christ sees this through, mm-hmm. through, through his, um, his eyeglasses, his filters. How, How do you, you peel that, that onion? Sure. Well, I, I think that one of the key things, <clears throat> I believe that if Jesus were to come by like Joshua, the book, Joshua by yes. Arizona, yeah. Where in the is a novel where Jesus came for a a little visit, not as a second coming, but and and how he was in his style. Mm. That's how I see him in a day to day. That's how I would see him being with that kind of style. He would start by letting the person know that they're worth listening to mm-hmm. by listening to them. Wow. Not by telling them they're worth, but by action, by his own congruent action. And to start there, that the person is worth listening to. Now, God has given me some gifts where often I will feedback what I think I'm hearing and it will help draw the person deeper and deeper. So it's not like you say good and I go good. Now I'm upset. Oh, you're upset. I mean, it's not a, it's not a a parroting, but to, to treat your, I believe things always make sense. Things always make sense. Not necessarily healthy sense, Mm -hmm. but when a person is struggling the first thing I do is is appreciate that this is where you're starting. It's not who you are. I often use the analogy of the laptop. If 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 we're talking about you, Mike, as far as a struggle you're having, what I would 
say is, Mike, there's nothing wrong with the laptop. Now, the operating system was Vista, and you know what that means, because Vista operating system was notoriously flawed. It's now have a new one, I guess, seven or whatever the new one is. The software was never intended for the purposes it's being used for. Survival software was never intended to produce healthy living. Mm. Mm. Add to that the viruses that come on board with no protection. That laptop really is not functioning adequately at all. But it's not the laptop. And when people can begin to realize it's the software, it's the things that were learned in the process of learning to survive, the viruses that come from a crazy world, and our own flashlight from the knowledge of good and evil that indicts us and builds cases against ourselves. There's nothing wrong with the laptop. It's the software, the viruses, the operating system that needs to be turned over to living software and God's operating system. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Guys, I realize we have not given out your wonderful, fabulous oh. website information. We have yeah, to do absolutely. this. Dear friends, wherever you are, you can access uh, Dr. Jim Henman's website wherever you are, and it's on the World Wide Web at careforyou.com, and care is spelled C-A-I-R, as in changing attitudes in recovery for f o r u y o u dot com care for you dot com and at this website you're going to find free audio video materials six absolutely fabulous uh, chapters for you to check out and uh, just download and enjoy these wonderful adventures with Dr. Jim Henman and it's just uh, absolutely free so uh, go to this website again that's careforyou.com and uh, check out his wonderful book who's really driving your bus i have my copy it's uh, i have got to have these pages <laughs> together the pages are falling out I love very tattered well used books. I it love is them. tattered i'm telling you and it's a wonderful uh, book that you're going to uh, absolutely enjoy you know jim as as we uh, deal with people mm-hmm. in life mm-hmm. uh, i think one of the things I, I, I finally dawned on me in in the vocational pastor uh, arena was that Jesus didn't fix people. No. That is, Mike, that is such an important concept. Because you know how you fix sheep? Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're neutered. Yes. Is right. the term fixing. And to me, when you try to fix someone, you do effectively, relationally neuter them in the process. And that's not going to help anyone. Jesus loved people right where they're starting, was absolutely honest and accurate with them. He didn't blow smoke. He didn't say things were okay when they weren't. But he also wasn't judgmental or condemning of the average sinner like you and me. Now, the Pharisees that were using God's name to hurt God's kids, those he came out pretty tough with, but for a specific reason. For the typical sinner, he starts where we're starting invites us on an adventure of becoming in him. And that's where self-esteem or Christ-esteem, if you will, who we truly are in Christ is who we are. That's our success. And when we blow it, Jim, what happens then? I don't know because I've never blown it. (laughs) That was a joke. (laughs) 
I blow it. I blow it right and left. I, I, there's been a few things recently, an error that I'd made that may cost me dearly. Mm. Am I happy about that? No. Have I done what I can in the serenity prayer with it so far? Yes. The serenity prayer, God grant me the serenity to change the things I can change. The freedom to release to you, Lord, what I can't change. And a growing wisdom to know the difference. I'm still working on the wisdom to know the difference. I'm still trying to do what I can on that. And every so often there'll be a burst of anxiety, angst, that'll start to come. I feel good about noticing it, not because I like it, but I feel good about noticing because then I can do something about it and I can hand it over to the Lord and say, Lord, if there's something I can do with this, please let me know. I'm open to it, but I can't think of anything else I can do right now. Remember the, the in the bus book, freedom is the willingness to accept the consequences of our choices. Absolutely. I was just reading that today. And don't we all blow it, Jim? That's That's where freedom is so elusive in our society. So I am free because even though I made an error and I may have to pay a huge price, it doesn't change who I am. It just means I have to pay a big price. It's not who I am. And those those issues of identity... I mean, we throw off this phrase, my identity is in Christ, you know, uh, but but is it really, you know, when we begin to, to look at ourselves, we begin to look at it the way we relate to others and those performance issues start to come in and all I know things. God forgives them. I can't forgive them. Hmm. I know God forgives me. I can't forgive me. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Who's in the upper position? Mm. Yes. Us or God? I cannot believe. Are we done already? Oh, Oh, man. You know what that means. We just got rolling here. All right. Well, we must have you back because you are the doctor of this place. (laughs) You guys are such good representatives of him. We love you, Jim. You must come back. Thank you, our brother. Thank Thank you you. so much. God bless you. Give our love to Sonia. I sure will. Dear friends, wherever you're listening tonight, thank you for sharing a piece of your evening with us. And do come back again. And may God continue to bless you.